Welcome, Vanessa, to Hot Sores. Uh, this is an exciting conversation. Weirdly, as I'm sure, I, like I operate in this space and I'm a weirdo and harass people online, I believe that is kind of your MO. We've known each other for a while and spoken a few times and live on complete opposite sides of the world. Absolutely. We even tried to connect when I was in Sydney last year presenting at Sourcing Summit, but then I don't think it was feasible for you to get down to Sydney or something like that. So, yeah, but I'm glad that we're chatting again. I feel like a lot of my relationships, particularly post-COVID, have, have become very like comfortable online. In the past, I, I feel there was always this like want to meet IRL. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit anti-social in person, so um, I'm kind of comfortable in this like um, internet relationship <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, Most people are. Uh, really great to have you. Um, I've been excited to talk to you. You're globally like one of, if not like the top voices when it comes to sourcing. Um, the talent hunter. Uh, as you're also known, um, how did you become so obsessed with sourcing? Because I see like your background, did you, were you a teacher initially? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I mean, I think I became so obsessed out of complete need. Um, you know, I had to learn how to source because I was an internal recruiter at a tech company, an IT consulting company, and I wasn't finding the people in the normal places. So LinkedIn pretty much was a no-go. Um, job boards, I mean, seriously, are developers going to load their CVs on job boards? So that's how I became obsessed with it because I had to be because I had hiring managers jumping up and down having heart attacks that if I didn't give them candidates, their whole business unit would collapse. So, yeah, it, it was a complete need. Um, but my background was pretty interesting leading up to that point because no one you know, wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I want to be a talent sourcer. Yeah. You know, no one at five goes to their folks and says, you know, I want to be a recruiter and help people find jobs one day when I'm big. You know, everyone wants to be a fireman or a policeman or a teacher or something like that. So, yeah, I fell into recruitment, but all of my roles have been very people orientated. And I think that that's the common thread that I take from my experience. And and so in your, your role in TA, it was an internal role. Um, did you, was, was sourcing and like outbound part of the strategy or was it something that you kind of introduced out of necessity because you needed a supplementation and yeah. increased kind of um, top of funnel activity? Well, totally introduced it. So I actually spent two years in agency, which as we know is a completely different ball game. I loved it too, the vibe, the, you know, the buzz in the office, the placements. And then I went in, internal and during that time was when the recruitment industry started changing and it came more about you know uh, your employer branding you know people started talking about actually attracting talent not just assuming that everyone wanted to work for you so you know there was a lot of changes and just embracing those changes and focusing on things like the number one one of the number one pillars of what i've built my academy on is your branding as i started to build my brand and we're going back 15, 16, 17 years ago. Um, and that was a really big thing because there were no other recruiters doing that. They didn't see that having a brand would be you know, beneficial to them in the role. So there was a lot of learnings, a lot of things that I did that were very different. But when you are sitting as the only recruiter in a tech team, they don't understand recruitment. They don't care what you do as long as you're bringing people through the door. It was a perfect like playground for me. Um, it was almost like I could go and experiment with anything and see how that helped me to bring people to the organization awesome and, and, and so like you, you did that initially started getting some yep. traction did yep. that sourcing element like start to assume more and more of your role until you're like screw it i'm just gonna i'm gonna focus on sourcing and start my own consultancy and run it 
So pretty much, no, it didn't work like that, but I, I did have to focus purely on sourcing because, I mean, I had to get candidates through the door. I mean, at one point, um, any any given time, actually, I could have between 30 and 40 open recs, and I had to be really innovative in how I found these people. So I started doing things like hosting hackathons and hosting events at the company and getting the developers to speak and, you know, all the things that no one else was doing because we're going back 10 years now. So... The reason why I went on my own and started my own business, The Talent Hunter, was actually because that company sold to a big corporate. And, and, and I know myself, I'm just not corporate. I'm not cut out for corporate. I just didn't want to hang around. Um, it had been a very nice, you know, kind of family type uh, vibe environment up until then. And I knew as the person who's now selling the dream of joining this amazing company, I wouldn't actually be able to do that, you know, if I didn't believe that this was going to be awesome forever. Um, and then I also needed the push to go and do my own thing. Um, I actually started my career as a teacher, a school teacher, uh, teaching um, you know early teens. Um, and I actually wanted to get back into teaching and training. So I just combined my love with recruiting and talent sourcing back into the training space and decided to start my own business. Yeah, was that hard when sourcing was still kind of becoming a thing? And sourcing trainers, I'm sure, were, were most definitely not a thing. And then you appear and you're like, hey... I'm a talent sourcing trainer and people would be like, what the hell? What, do you, what is that? Exactly, exactly. So people did think I was a little bit nuts, but I mean, it probably wasn't the first time in my life. I think it was worse <laughs> when I decided I was going to go and live in Thailand for a year and be a scuba diving instructor. I saw that on your LinkedIn profile. I was, I was, I was nuts. Um, so, so I think that's what, probably one of the best decisions I ever made in my life was in 2018. I, I approached my boss and I said, you're expecting me to find all these people. You know, you, I, I don't know how to source properly. I know there's this thing called talent sourcing, but I don't know how to go and source into platforms like GitHub and Stack Overflow. And there's only so much I can learn. I mean, there was no one in the Southern Hemisphere at that point, 2018, who I believe was really talent sourcing correctly and doing it the right way. So I persuaded him to send me to a SourceCon conference in Budapest which was excellent. I really, really enjoyed it. I met a lot of the other big players in the industry and literally on the flight home started putting together my resignation letter and started thinking about I could run a business around talent sourcing because it's so niche. No one, no one's doing it back in South Africa. I never thought I would go global, but I said I could definitely bring this to the South African market. And so I started doing that and then literally launched my own business and then COVID hit. So it was probably one of the best things that happened to my business because People then didn't really care where your sourcing trainer was based because, because everyone was working at home online anyway. And that really accelerated my business and, and pushed it globally. I'd already, before COVID, presented at a SourceCon conference in Seattle. I was actually booked to speak at a conference in Lisbon, uh, Tallinn, London when COVID hit. So I, I was already you know, on the beginning part of getting onto that global speaking circuit in the sourcing space. And then... I was devastated when COVID hit. I thought this was the end. You know, I was devastated. Um, just walked away from a nice corporate job. Little did you know, that was the beginning.
Shu. Okay, we'll make it up. Sounds good. Absolutely. We even tried to connect when I was in Sydney last year presenting at Sourcing Summit, but then I don't think it was feasible for you to get down to Sydney or something like that. So, yeah, but I'm glad that we're chatting again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, I think I became so obsessed out of complete need. Um, you know, I had to learn how to source because I was an internal recruiter at a tech company, an IT consulting company, and I wasn't finding the people in the normal places. So LinkedIn pretty much was a no-go. Um, job boards, I mean, seriously, are developers going to load their CVs on job boards? So that's how I became obsessed with it because I had to be because I had hiring managers jumping up and down, having heart attacks that if I didn't give them candidates, their whole business unit would collapse. So, yeah, it, it was a complete need. Um, but my background was pretty interesting leading up to that point because no one, you know, wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I want to be a talent sourcer. You know, no one at five goes to their folks and says, you know, I want to be a recruiter and help people find jobs one day when I'm big. You know, everyone wants to be a fireman or a policeman or a teacher or something like that. So, yeah, I fell into recruitment, but all of my roles have been very people orientated. And I think that that's the common thread that I take from my experience. Yeah. Well, totally introduced it. So I actually spent two years in agency, which, as we know, is a completely different ball game. I loved it too. The vibe, the you know, the buzz in the office, the placements, and then I went in internal. And during that time was when the recruitment industry started changing, and it came more about you know uh, your employer branding. You know, people started talking about actually attracting talent, not just assuming that everyone wanted to work for you. So, you know, there was a lot of changes and just embracing those changes and focusing on things like the number one, one of the number one pillars of what I built my academy on is your branding. As I started to build my brand and we're going back 15, 16, 17 years ago. Um, and that was a really big thing because there were no other recruiters doing that. They didn't see that having a brand would be, you know, beneficial to them in the role. So there was a lot of learnings, a lot of things that I did that were very different. But when you are sitting as the only recruiter in a tech team, they don't understand recruitment. They don't care what you do as long as you're bringing people through the door. It was a perfect like playground for me. Um, it was almost like I could go and experiment with anything and see how that helped me to bring people into the organization. Yeah. Yeah. 
So pretty much, no, it didn't work like that, but I, I did have to focus purely on sourcing because, I mean, I had to get candidates through the door. I mean, at one point, um, any any given time, actually, I could have between 30 and 40 open recs, and I had to be really innovative in how I found these people. So I started doing things like hosting hackathons and hosting events at the company and getting the developers to speak and, you know, all the things that no one else was doing because we're going back 10 years now. So... The reason why I went on my own and started my own business, The Talent Hunter, was actually because that company sold to a big corporate. And, and, and I know myself, I'm just not corporate. I'm not cut out for corporate. I just didn't want to hang around. Um, it had been a very nice, you know, kind of family type uh, vibe, environment up until then. And I knew as the person who's now selling the dream of joining this amazing company, I wouldn't actually be able to do that, you know, if I didn't believe that this was going to be awesome forever. Um, and then I also needed the push to go and do my own thing. Um, I actually started my career as a teacher, a school teacher, uh, teaching um, you know early teens. Um, and I actually wanted to get back into teaching and training. So I just combined my love with recruiting and talent sourcing back into the training space and decided to start my own business. The rest is history. Exactly, exactly. So people did think I was a little bit nuts, but I mean, it probably wasn't the first time in my life. I think it was worse when I decided I was going to go and live in Thailand for a year and be a scuba diving instructor. That's when everyone really thought I was, I was, I was nuts. Um, so, so I think that's what, probably one of the best decisions I ever made in my life was in 2018. I, I approached my boss and I said, you're expecting me to find all these people. You know, you, I, I don't know how to source properly. I know there's this thing called talent sourcing, but I don't know how to go and source into platforms like GitHub and Stack Overflow. And there's only so much I can learn. I mean, there was no one in the Southern Hemisphere at that point, 2018, who I believe was really talent sourcing correctly and doing it the right way. So I persuaded him to send me to a SourceCon conference in Budapest, which was excellent. I really, really enjoyed it. I met a lot of the other big players in the industry and literally on the flight home started putting together my resignation letter and started thinking about I could run a business around talent sourcing because it's so niche. No one, no one's doing it back in South Africa. I never thought I would go global, but I said I could definitely bring this to the South African market. And so I started doing that and then literally launched my own business and then COVID hit. So it was probably one of the best things that happened to my business because people then didn't really care where your sourcing trainer was based because, because everyone was working at home online anyway. And that really accelerated my business and, and pushed it globally. I'd already, before COVID, presented at a SourceCon conference in Seattle. I was actually booked to speak at a conference in Lisbon, uh, Tallinn. London when COVID hit. So I was already, you know, on the beginning part of getting onto that global speaking circuit in the sourcing space. And then I was devastated when COVID hit. I thought this was the end. You know, I was devastated. Um, just walked away from a nice corporate job. Yeah, nice corporate job, cushy salary, all of those things. Um, but yeah, it worked out to be the best thing ever. Okay, cool. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you for the opportunity. So um, pretty much 
I'm in my fifth year of business, love what I do, um, and it's been really, really successful, way more successful than I ever would have thought. But I think it's not always down to my sparkly personality. It's often down to, you know, the need. People realize that talent sourcing has become such a massive part of the recruitment industry that people need to get way better at it. So I got into a situation last year, to be honest, I didn't have my best year. I had a fantastic year business-wise, but personally, you know, I, I lost my mom. I was super busy. I had a five-month waiting list, very stretched, bought a new property. You know, just there was a lot happening last year. So this year, what I've decided is I've actually built an online academy. So people now have options. So what I pretty much want to do is two things. I want to empower talent sources and recruiters. So my target market is also 360 recruiters, because let's face it, at the end of the day, recruiters need to know how to find talent. Um, and I want to make the training accessible to them. So let's, let's be honest here. It's half past five in the morning for me when we jumped on this call, Mark, in South Africa. Can you imagine what it's like trying to train um, across the world? I mean, um, yesterday morning at Hoppers 5, the same time, I was having a meeting with a client in Los Angeles, which was Hoppers 9 at night for them. So to try and deliver live training is, is quite difficult from a time zone perspective. Another reason for the online academy. And I pretty much just want to empower people to be better sources of talent because when I started in the industry, I don't know if you remember that you've been around for a while. The, there was a saying that said, he or she who is candidate is king. And that still rings true. So if you've got the best candidates, you're going to make the placement, whether you're internal, whether you're agency, whatever it is. And that's what I want to help people to get better at, is how do you go and find the best talents? And that's that's what I want to empower them to do. So I would say, and this is like a huge sweeping statement, but there's more similarities than what we think. Yes, there are differences, but I think the similarities between talent sourcing across regions, markets, niches, industries, the similarities are more than the differences. And, and the reason why I say that is that for me, if you are a talent sourcer and you understand the underlying methodology, so you know how to run a good x-ray search, um, you know how to put a search string together, you know how to go and do your research to find out where these people hang out, whether it's a tech specialist in Australia or a Java developer in Mexico or a financial analyst in Germany. If you know how to go and search where those people spend their time, then you should be able to find them. So the only difference is the niche speciality into tech, which is a, a whole different ballgame. Um, you need to understand the tech platforms. You need to understand the lingo. So like my training covers 10 different technical platforms. So I'll teach you how to source all the best technical platforms because these guys are not hanging around on LinkedIn. So, you know, how to go and get into GitHub and Stack Overflow and all of those kind of uh, places, Dev, Kaggle, HackerRank, Meetup, Reddit. You know, these are where we should be looking for tech individuals, not just expecting them to be on LinkedIn or our local job boards. Yeah, but it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you've got to go where people spend their time.
Julia. And, and, that's, and that's a very valid point because a lot of people say to me, like, how do you ensure that people take on board what you've trained them once you finish the training? And I'm like, well, they have to have that desire to do better and find the best candidates because every, anyone can just revert back to LinkedIn because why? It's easy. I mean, I often say LinkedIn is responsible for dumbing down our whole industry because it's too easy. Recruiters can just go on there and find mediocre candidates. They might not be the best. Um, they might be, but they might not be. Um, and then it doesn't take up, you know, all their time looking on GitHub. And that's another thing to talk about is that that's why I firmly believe that you need dedicated sources on your team. Because, yes, going to do your research on GitHub and, you know, looking at different profiles, looking at their repositories, building a community, building a network takes time. So you want to make sure that you're giving that person the right amount of time. Now, sometimes a 360 recruiter, we know how busy you are. You're like running off your feet and you're trying to close deals and run assessments and find candidates and find clients. You don't have time to source. I get it. So that's why with my training, I'm trying to teach you how to source in the, in the most effective, quickest way so you can get to all the other things. So, yeah, sourcing is a, it's a, it's a standalone role by itself, to be honest. And it's not a secret source at all. I'm happy to share and help people take that first step because that's all they need is taking that first step. I would say the first step in that is go and do some research about how to x-ray search and how to write a Boolean search string. Like those two things would be my first steps because then at a later stage, you can go and identify the platforms. I mean, also, let's face it, and I know that I, you know, I speak from a South African perspective. Any South African who wants to try and pay for software or, or rec tech these days or anything, it's expensive. Everything's based on US dollars or euros or, or pounds or whatever it is. It's pretty much prohibitive. So I know, I mean, the clients I was chatting to yesterday, the cost of LinkedIn recruiters have gone through the roof at the moment. So the whole thinking behind the way that I train people is that don't go and pay for expensive licenses. You know, go and, don't go and pay for LinkedIn recruiter or don't go and pay to advertise on, on GitHub or any other of the tech platforms. There is a way you can x-ray into the platform from the outside. And that's what you've got to learn because it's going to save you time and it's going to save you money because we don't have massive budgets here in the Southern Hemisphere. You know, we can't afford these amazing tools, which are great, like SeekOut, HireEasy, RecruitBot. You know, I've had access to all of them. I've played on all of them. I, they're great, but they're not the cheapest tools. So for me, it's if you know the basics and you can do the sourcing yourself through X-Ray and Boolean, you're going to be at, at a fantastic starting point. Well, well, Mark, I mean, if you, if you do my training, I will show you that you can check it out. <laughs> you can, no, 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 but you gave me a bad example there with GitHub. GitHub is actually the best place to go sourcing on because did you know you can find 98% of people's emails on GitHub? 
because when you sign up, you get the email addresses. And then if you know how to get into the back end of the code, you can actually go and track down email addresses. So in my training, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, forget about all roads lead to Rome. All roads lead to GitHub. So if you find someone on Stack or Reddit or Meetup, find them on GitHub because that's how you're going to find the email address. So, so for me, it's not about looking at, thank you. It's not about finding someone on one platform and taking that as the only version of truth. Like I'm not going to stalk you on Facebook and find you on Facebook and say, oh, that's Mark. I want to, you know, recruit him and, and hire him. I'm going to look at Mark through a Google search. I'm going to see where else, when I put Mark into um, Google, what other platforms is he on? Is he on Instagram? Because, not because I'm stalking you, but I, yes, I am stalking you, but I want to just make sure that we're also ticking the culture fit box. You know, so, so, so there's a lot of research that goes into this, and it's not, doesn't often determine, is it a yes or no, that I can only do that once I speak to you. But it's all about your reach out as well. So, Mark, let's, let's be honest here. You've just got a little one new addition to the family. Um, I could say, uh, you, know, you know, mention something to you about, you know, the fact that I also have kids. You know, I'm not saying to you, congrats on the new edition I saw it on Facebook, because that would be freaky kind of shit, right? But I could talk about, you know, my kids and, you know, those kind of things, you know, wait till they stay 17 kind of scenario. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just make it that little bit more personable. And I think that that's important. You can also see like, okay, LinkedIn, it tells me that they studied this and they just recently got this certification, but hold on, they're coding in this language on GitHub. They're putting com commits on here. Then they belong to this meetup group in the data space. I can take all of those bits of information and write a really good outreach message to this individual. You could do that and you could also have 30 of those people block your email address and not want to speak to you ever again because you haven't personalized your outreach. It's a decision. Well, I think it also depends on you and your brand and, you know, are you building a career in TA? You know, or do you want to be known as that irritating recruiter who spams people like spamming a data engineer to be an infrastructure cyber security specialist? You know, you've got to make sure that you're messaging the right person. And if you want to see your response rates increase, you've got to start working on your personalization. I mean, for me, I'd rather see less adverts going out, you know, recruiters dealing with you know, massive amounts of ad response. I mean, it can take people a whole day to a whole morning to screen like 100 CVs for a role. Now, is that not just a complete waste of time? Wouldn't you rather use that time going and sourcing the right candidates and sending better outreach messages? So I always sell that you should have like a 50% template. So you don't, you don't reinvent the wheel every time you email someone, like the information about the company and the role doesn't change, but like little bits of personalization. How's things going at, you know, Westpac, you know, are you, you know, you're still there, you're still on the Java development team, whatever it might be, you know, those bits you can mix up. But the, uh, this, the reason why I believe this would be great for your career is because we're going to train you into being a Kotlin developer, um, as well as understanding Java, that's not going to change. 
So it's it's about working smart, I believe. Um, and, and I think that that's really important. And now there's so many tools out there that can help to automate things. Like, don't get me started on chat GPT and take away all of those boring administrative jobs. You know? Good grief. Did they even spell their name right? Because that's that would be nice. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And you know, these people talk, techies talk, believe it or not. And, and I mean, go and check out a website called recruiterspam.com. Go to Twitter, look at hashtag recruiterspam. This is where these messages end up and they're hysterical. There's a, a whole Reddit, a, a whole subreddit called recruiting hell, where people go and copy and paste these messages, post them on Reddit, name and shame the recruiters. Um, and then you'll see people, oh yes, I got that one last week too. And I mean, it's embarrassing. It's, it's just, yeah, it's, a, I mean, no wonder the recruitment industry often gets lumped in with those estate agents and secondhand car salesmen. And, you know, it's, it, we, we sometimes bring it on ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. And word, word of mouth recommendations. Hey, I worked with this recruiter. She was really great. Let me put you in touch with her. You know, next thing the candidate's in the role for three or four years, they get bored. They look for you to say, hey, I had such a great experience last time. What have you got on your books? You know, I just think that the, the, the benefits completely outweigh the, the, the negative side, which I don't think there are many. You could do that. You could do that, or else, uh, yeah, I, I could show you. It's, 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 it's. It is more complex. It's one of the more, more complex things in my training. But once you discover it, it's amazing because then you know you can just email any of these guys. Thanks for inviting me.
me a chat. Excellent. Thank you so much. Done. Very quick, huh? Went quickly. One thing is chatting, huh? Yeah, nice corporate job, cushy salary, all of those things. Um, but yeah, it worked out to be the best thing ever. And uh, maybe little window to give yourself a big plug. Can you give us like a, a your elevator pitch for the Talent Hunter and yeah, what you do and how you support people interested in sourcing? Okay, cool. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you for the opportunity. So um, pretty much... I'm in my fifth year of business, love what I do, um, and it's been really, really successful, way more successful than I ever would have thought. But I think it's not always down to my sparkly personality, it's often down to, you know, the need. People realize that talent sourcing has become such a massive part of the recruitment industry that people need to get way better at it. So I got into a situation last year, to be honest, I didn't have my best year. I had a fantastic year business-wise, but personally, you know, I, I lost my mom. I was super busy. I had a five-month waiting list, very stretched, bought a new property. You know, just there was a lot happening last year. So this year, what I've decided is I've actually built an online academy. So people now have options. So what I pretty much want to do is two things. I want to empower talent sources and recruiters. So my target market is also 360 recruiters, because let's face it, at the end of the day, recruiters need to know how to find talent. Um, and I want to make the training accessible to them. So let's, let's be honest here. It's half past five in the morning for me when we jumped on this call, Mark, in South Africa. <laughs> you you're very like Trying to train yeah. um, across the world. I mean, um, yesterday morning at half past five, the same time, I was having a meeting with a client in Los Angeles, which was half past nine at night for them. So to try and deliver live training is, is mm. quite difficult from a time zone perspective. Another reason for the online academy. And I pretty much just want to empower people to be better sources of talent because... When I started in the industry, I don't know if you remember this, you've been around for a while. The, there was a saying that said, he or she who is candidate is king. And that still rings true. So if you've got the best candidate, you're going to make the placement, whether you're internal, whether you're agency, whatever it is. And that's what I want to help people to get better at, is how do you go and find the best talent? And that's, that's what I want to empower them to do. And would you say, uh, in your learning now being global, that the principles apply with a global lens or is there uh, market to market is there, there a, a lot of kind of dip, uh, change in, in how you go about what you do so i would say and this is like a huge sweeping statement but there's more similarities than what we think yes there are differences but i think the similarities between talent sourcing across regions markets niches industries the similarities are more than the differences and and the reason why i say that is that for me, if you're a talent sourcer and you understand the underlying methodology, so you know how to run a good x-ray search, um, you know how to put a search string together, you know how to go and do your research to find out where these people hang out, whether it's a tech specialist in Australia or a Java developer in Mexico or a financial analyst in Germany. If you know how to go and search where those people spend their time, then you should be able to find them. So the only difference is the niche speciality into tech, which is a, a whole different ballgame. Um, you need to understand the tech platforms. You need to understand the lingo. So like my training covers 10 different technical platforms. So I'll teach you how to source all the best technical platforms because these guys are not hanging around on LinkedIn. So, you know, how to go and get into GitHub and Stack Overflow and all of those kind of uh, places, Dev, Kaggle, 
Pickering, Meetup, Reddit. You know, these are where we should be looking for tech individuals, not just expecting them to be on LinkedIn or our local job boards. And in, in terms of searching those, because I feel um, I feel lots of people talk uh, about doing it and 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 uh, or have a want to do it, but like our oh, GitHub, I, I want to be able to source from GitHub or source from yeah some of these kind of niche um, community communities. But it's not as easy as like and accessible as LinkedIn is jumping in and running a search and applying some filters and generating outcomes. You really have to be nosing around and know how it moves and how you can kind yep. of get in and, and find the talent and then get their contact details and engage with them. And, and, that's, and that's a very valid point because a lot of people say to me, like, how do you ensure that people take on board what you've trained them once you finish the training? And I'm like, well, they have to have that desire to do better and find the best candidates because every, anyone can just revert back to LinkedIn because why? It's easy. I mean, I often say LinkedIn is responsible for dumbing down our whole industry because it's too easy. Recruiters can just go on there and find mediocre candidates. They might not be the best. Um, they might be, but they might not be. Um, and then it doesn't take up you know, all their time looking on GitHub. And that's another thing to talk about is that that's why I firmly believe that you need dedicated sources on your team because, yes, going to do your research on GitHub and you know, looking at different profiles, looking at their repositories, building a community, building a network takes time. So you want to make sure that you're giving that person the right amount of time. Now, sometimes a 360 recruiter, we know how busy you are. You're like running off your feet and you're trying to close deals and run assessments and find candidates and find clients. You don't have time to source. I get it. So that's why with my training, I'm trying to teach you how to source in the, in the most effective, quickest way so you can get to all the other things. So yeah, sourcing is a, it's a, it's a standalone role by itself, to be honest. I don't want to steal your secret source in this call. Obviously, the academy is where it's at to go deep on this. But if, if I was a, a, a TA or, or a sourcer and I was wanting to take my search off LinkedIn and, and look beyond, God forbid, look beyond the, the LinkedIn platform to find best fit candidates, what's the easiest first step for me to take to be able to pursue that? And it's not a secret source at all. I'm happy to share to help people take that first step because that's all they need is taking that first step. I would say... The first step in that is go and do some research about how to x-ray search and how to write a boolean search string. Like those two things would be my first steps because then at a later stage you can go and identify the platforms. I mean also let's face it and I know that I, you know, I speak from a South African perspective. Any South African who wants to try and pay for software or, or rec tech these days or anything, it's expensive. Everything's based on US dollars or euros or, or pounds or whatever it is. It's pretty much prohibitive. So I know, I mean, the clients I was chatting to yesterday, the cost of LinkedIn recruiters have gone through the roof at the moment. So the whole thinking behind the way that I train people is that don't go and pay for expensive licenses. You know, go and, don't go and pay for LinkedIn recruiter or don't go and pay to advertise on, on GitHub or any other of the tech platforms. There is a way you can x-ray into the platform from the outside. And that's what you've got to learn because it's going to, save you time and it's going to save you money because we don't have massive budgets here in the southern hemisphere you know we can't afford these amazing tools which are great like seek out hire easy recruit bot you know i've had access to all of them i've played on all of them I, they're great but they're not the cheapest tools so for me it's if you know the basics and you can do the sourcing yourself through x-ray and boolean you're going to be at, at a fantastic starting point and so that's like the identification of these profiles, right? And looking more broadly than LinkedIn. 
what from there? Because a lot of these platforms, and I feel this is a bit of a bottleneck. It's like you find somebody on mm. GitHub or Stack and, and you're like, this person looks good. I may not be able to read code, but I can see a consistency of commits. I can, yep. like, I feel this person is good. Often their contact details aren't super evident. Like, wh what's the next step from there to try and create an opportunity to talk to them? Well, well, Mark, I mean, if you, if you do my training, I will show you. <laughs> I knew it was coming eventually. I, I thought I'd just keep pushing and pushing. And... No, 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 but you gave me a bad example there with GitHub. GitHub is actually the best place to go sourcing on because did you know you can find 98% of people's emails on GitHub? Because when you sign up, you get the email addresses, and then if you know how to get into the back end of the code, you can actually go and track down email addresses. So in my training, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, forget about all roads lead to Rome. All roads lead to GitHub. So if you find someone on Stack or Reddit or Meetup, find them on GitHub because that's how you're going to find the email address. You're good. You're good. Thank you. It's not about finding someone on one platform and taking that as the only version of truth. Like, I'm not going to stalk you on Facebook and find you on Facebook and say, oh, that's Mark. I want to, you know, recruit him and, and hire him. I'm going to look at Mark through a Google search. I'm going to see where else, when I put Mark into um, Google, what other platforms is he on? Is he on Instagram? Because, not because I'm stalking you, but I, yes, I am stalking you, but I want to just make sure that we're also ticking the culture fit box. You know, so, so, so there's a lot of research that goes into this, and it's not doesn't often determine is it a yes or no, that I can only do that once I speak to you. But it's all about your reach out as well. So, Mark, let's, let's be honest here. You've just got a little one new addition to the family. Um, I could say, uh, you, know, you know, mention something to you about, you know, the fact that I also have kids. You know, I'm not saying to you congrats on the new edition I saw it on Facebook because that would be like freaky kind of shit, right? But I could talk about, you know, my kids and, you know, those kind of things, you know, wait till they stay 17 kind of scenario. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just make it that little bit more personable. And I think that that's important. You can also see like, okay, LinkedIn, it tells me that they studied this and they just recently got this certification, but hold on, they're coding in this language on GitHub. They're putting com commits on here. Then they belong to this meetup group in the data space. I can take all of those bits of information and write a really good outreach message to this individual. Vanessa, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you were saying, but I speak to lots of people in TA, more so TA probably because their roles aren't exclusively sourcing. So as you noted before, they're getting pushed and pulled in a bunch of different directions. And the, often the argument is, is I don't have time. I can find, yeah. uh, instead of messaging 20 people with really detailed search and information mm. aggregation and, and like personalized messaging, yeah. I can maybe message 50 a generic templated outreach message and hope you to could do that. that and you could also have 30 of those people block your email address and not want to speak to you ever again because you haven't personalized your outreach is that is that the that's the main counter in your eyes is like the the sustainability of being able to revisit these well, i think it also depends on you and your brand and you know are you building a career in ta you know, or do you want to be known as that irritating recruiter who spams people, like spamming a data engineer to be an infrastructure cyber security specialist? You know, yeah. you've got to make sure that you're messaging the right person. And if you want to see your response rates increase, you've got to start working on your personalization. I mean, for me, I'd rather see less adverts going out, you know, recruiters dealing with you know, massive amounts of ad response. I mean, it can take people a whole day to a whole morning to screen like a hundred CVs for a role. Mm. Now, is that not just a complete waste of time? Wouldn't you rather use that time going and sourcing the right candidates and sending better outreach messages? 
So I always sell that you should have like a 50% template. So you don't you don't reinvent the wheel every time you email someone. Like the information about the company and the role doesn't change, but like little bits of personalization. How's things going at, you know, Westpac? You know, are you you know you still there? You still on the Java development team? Whatever it might be, you know those bits you can mix up. But the uh, this the reason why I believe this would be great for your mm. career is because we're going to train you into being a Kotlin developer um, as well as understanding Java. That's not going to change. So it's it's about working smart, I believe, um, and and I think that that's really important. And now there's so many tools out there that can help to automate things. Like don't get me started on ChatGPT and take away all of those boring administrative jobs. One, I'm going to use an example to support your argument before I'm slightly concerned that the person will see this and recognize it because I had a quite an interesting conversation with them about it. But they were targeting a niche skill. I think they were targeting Ruby on Rails devs. Um, Australia-wide, yeah. they had an outsourced, like an offshore team driving outreach, reaching out to roughly 300 people a day. Um, Good grief. And in the phone call, when we kind of landed on this, and it was like just super generic template, no personalization at all, not even like even a consideration into like the like the cell or the structure of the, the message, just a, a dumb blast of volume at this small community. And like on the call... Do they even spell their name right? Because that's, likely that not. would be nice. <laughs> and then it's like, and then in the call, it's like, how big is like the Ruby and Rails um, pool within Australia? And it was like 4,000 people. So in 10, wow. in 10 days, they've basically messaged everybody within that community and sold their shitty pitch. So they may generate a hire off this one effort, but if their company is built on them, their technology, the, the development and the reliance, uh, the maintenance of yeah. that product is built on Rails and they've just pissed off 99% of the community to hire one person. Like, how do you come back in after you've just sent a really shitty message of like, hey, I'm back. Yeah, exactly. Here's my same shitty message again. Yeah. Or... And you know, these people talk. Techies talk, yeah, yeah. believe it or not. And, and I mean, go and check out a website called recruiterspam.com. Go to Twitter, look at hashtag recruiterspam. This is where these messages end up, and they're hysterical. <laughs> There's a, a whole Reddit, a, a whole subreddit called Recruiting Hell, where people go and copy <laughs> and paste these messages, post them on Reddit, name and shame the recruiters, um, and then you'll see people, oh, yes, I got that one last week too. And, I mean, it's embarrassing. It's, it's just, yeah, it's, a, I mean, no wonder the recruitment industry often gets lumped in with those estate agents and secondhand car salesmen. And, you know, it's, it's we, we sometimes bring it on ourselves. And, and sometimes, uh, rightly or wrongly, I'm thankful that that activity occurs because when you do take the time to do the personalization, the juxtaposition exactly. between the two makes you really stand out and it's not a huge amount of work for you exactly. to get that cut through. And then almost like, I think a lot of people don't consider the bigger opportunity, so like conversion and, and hires are the short-term opportunity, mm. but the longer-term like candidate experience and how that develops your yeah. personal brand, how that develops the employer brand of the org, like there's lots of long-tail compounding value. And word, word of mouth mm. recommendations, hey, I worked with this recruiter, she was really great, let me put you in touch with her. You know, next thing the candidate's in the role for three or four years, they get bored, they look for you to say, hey, I had such a great experience last time, what have you got on your books? Yeah. You know, I just think that that's, the benefits completely outweigh the, the, the negative side, which I don't think there are many. Now, I'm going to have to wrap you up here because I want to go into GitHub and try and work out this 98% thing because I, am, I fall into the category of like, I can move around on GitHub. I kind of know what I'm looking at. I can kind of work out, determine what languages are being used and consistency, but the email thing, unless it's shown on that, the, the kind of profile thing on the left-hand side, I, I ain't finding it. 
or I could just sign up to your course. You could do that. You could do that. Or else, uh, yeah, I, I could show you. It's, okay. it's, 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 it is more complex. It's one of the more, more complex things in my training. But once you discover it, it's amazing. Because then you know you can just email any of these guys. Yeah. Amazing. Vanessa, thank you. Your uh, zest, like your enthusiasm is so infectious, particularly with a topic like this. So thank you very much for joining us. Really, really excited. And congratulations on the Talent Hunter. Um, and we're going to include a bunch of um, like links back in. So hopefully if anybody sees this and wants to level up, particularly those targeting technical people and wanting to unlock value on GitHub, yeah, we can push them in your direction. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you so much.